I know. I myself, like when I was in um, like high school, um, when I spent a year in Israel, we had this like test that we had to take and it was like, don't think too much. There's 300 questions, uh, multiple choice, you know, one to five, you know, answer them, whatever comes to your mind first, however you feel, and then you'll get this answer. And I was like, so looking forward to that test and so excited that I was like going to discover like what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And then took some time and we got back like in a sealed envelope, uh, the results of this test and, you know, make sure like no one's around, go to my room, open it up. And it says like farmer. And what? <laughs> what? Jewish Money Matters episode 306. Say bye to the Monday blues with career coach Shayna Karen. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Ever wondered if you're in the right career field? Is there something you'd rather be doing with your life, but you just can't figure out what? Maybe it's time to consult with a career coach, a good one, that is. I'm in conversation today with career coach Shayna Karen, talking about the horror stories of career coaching that left us more confused than, well, coached. How should the process go, ideally? Why are both data and intuition important in making these big life choices? Why is loving a particular field not the only answer, the only indicator of career success? What happens if and when you discover entrepreneurship is a possible answer for us? How do we figure out how much value we're bringing and how much is that worth to an employer? This and much more with the super smart and approachable Shayna Karen. Dana, Karen, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It is so fun to have you on the show. Same. So excited to be here. Thank you. I'm excited. I mean, career coach, I have to confess, I didn't have great experiences with career coaches in my life. And you're so refreshing. And to find your work is just so refreshing. I'm going to, I'm going to brag a little bit about you just from your bio, because it just, it just, I loved it. When I read it, I just loved it. I know what your work is to figure out. You say to figure out what kind of work you help people figure out what kind of work they will enjoy and succeed at and how to make that a reality from confusion to clarity with the very common side effect of falling in love with oneself, renewed confidence, increased earnings and very happy Mondays. Boom. I mean, I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's true. <laughs> okay, so before we talk about how we make this happen, I'm, I'm seeing here that there's two aspects to your work. Number one, or to or to or to the person engaging in this process, right? Number one, helping them figuring out what kind of work a person will enjoy and succeed at, which is in a sense, maybe the most important piece. And then there's number two, let's teach you the best practices so that you can get that dream job and get paid as much as you want, right? So why don't yeah. we start with piece number one of mm -hmm. the process, because it's something that bothers so many people. Um, We've experienced the great resignation, you know, after the pandemic, I know we're all... 
people are really finally hitting that point where, hey, I want to do something that I just love, right? And what is it that I really want to do, right? So how does one go about figuring that piece out? Oh, that's easy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For you it is. Let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah. um, And and I want to just about what you said earlier about having bad experiences with career coach. I so relate. And so many people who eventually come into my office are like, well, uh, career coaches are just like, I, you know, I know this is stupid. My wife made me or whatever. And I'm like, trust me. I know I myself, like when I was in um, like high school, um, when I spent a year in Israel, we had this like test that we had to take and it was like, don't think too much. There's 300 questions, uh, multiple choice, you know, one to five, you know, answer them whatever comes to your mind first, however you feel, and then you'll get this answer. And I was like, so looking forward to that test and so excited that I was like going to discover like what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And then took some time and we got back like in a sealed envelope, uh, the results of this test and you know, make sure like no one's around, go to my room, open it up. And it says like farmer. And what? <laughs> what? I mean, totally. I grew up in the country. I love farms. There you go. It was like, and then choice two, nursing home administrator. Okay. And then how do those go together? But then the, the, what it made me feel and like what really inspired my work and going into this, like probably over a decade later, um, was that it didn't tell me why. Like, if you think I should be a farmer, then tell me why. Like, what makes you say that? Like, I feel like the whole process didn't get to know me. It was sort of like they had a bunch of generic answers and then, Based on how you're going to answer questions, mm-hmm. the algorithm is going to point you to something without knowing like who I am, what my lifestyle is like, how much money I want to make. Like you're forgetting all the parts of what makes a person human mm-hmm. that goes into their career. And and also if you would tell me, well, it's because you really, based on your answers, you really need to be in nature. Okay, great. So then I'll take that piece and then maybe there's something else in nature that was a job that wasn't in their database, maybe that I made up all by myself. Mm-hmm. And right, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. I want to be a forest therapist, like, but then it would give more information. Okay, so then on to your question. Um, but, but wait, wait, let, let's stay on this for a second, okay. because this is really, really good. And, and and I I remember recently you wrote about this you and, and I, I I absolutely loved it you wrote on LinkedIn about this idea of you know working with a coach who knows about jobs about industries but who can also can help you figure out how to fit the best job into the best of careers that work for you mm-hmm. and and it's exactly what you were mentioning now and what many people miss and my experience was and this is part of what you alluded to, there was no coaching. There was no follow through. There was no explanation. There was like, I remember even you said after high school, I even had this experience repeatedly, even after grad school, even Mm -hmm. in grad school, I hoped this type of coaching would be a little bit more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And yet it wasn't. Yet it was like, I left that office just as frustrated and just as confused and not knowing, okay, now what do I do? Right. Exactly. And, it, yeah. and it was, it was a little bit different than yours. It did tell me what my skills were. Mm-hmm. But then it was that. So by you, it was like, no, go into farming. <laughs> by yeah. me, it was like, okay, you're good at this. And this then like, okay. And then what do I do with this? Well, so exactly what happened to me next. So then, you know, I went and chose like whatever made the most sense, got my degree. Um, and then, um, you know, for like the, all the, right at the time, but really wrong from a career perspective reasons. And I'm not going to waste time going into that now. But um, 
then I, I kept taking tests and reading books. I'm a big reader. So, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, there's like a problem. There's for sure a book of someone who covered this, right? And I actually, I did find the solution eventually in books, but it took me a really long time. And I took every test that I could find online that should tell you that. And there's some really good tests. Like the Strengths Finder will tell you um, that, you know, my top, one of my top five strengths is ideation. And that's true. I love coming up with new ideas. But then, so like you're saying, like I, I found things that led me closer to like more clues. Right. But still, there was no person helping me figure out, like a knowledgeable expert who got me and also that until I found it was actually through a book. Um, books are always the answer to me. Um, but I mean, I was just literally in a coffee shop with, in, a, in a bookstore and I saw this quote of like, um, uh, a room without books is like a body without a soul. And I was like, 100%. You know? I feel it. Yeah. So, so I actually, I found this book on my desk right now. It's called The Pathfinder, oh. um, Nicholas Lohr. And, and this guy who, um, if anyone's watching on video, um, he, after I read this book, I told, I found a way to reach him. And I was like, you are going to train me to do what you do. I need to work oh, with you. For you. Yes. And he did. And, and it was a process. First, it was like, well, you, you know, take our test and experience the process for yourself and see if you like it. Um, and, and thank God he became like, you know, we're really close and he became one of my mentors. Wait, 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 this is a great unexpected story. So in your path to finding what do I do with my life? Like you realize that there's this path that this person who's teaching you what to do with your life. That's a path you want to take. Totally. I was like, wow, like this person figured it out. And at the same time, I was dabbling in like helping people with careers um, on the side. Like I was the go-to resume writer for friends and family and their friends and their family. And you know how that like goes into, and I was having a lot of career conversations with people and going through taking these tests and reading and like getting really, really into this topic for, for years. Um, and then ah. he had the answer. And in this book, I was just like, I mean, read this book. It's a bestseller on Amazon. And I will actually, um, the comp- his company, Rockport Institute, they have done, I think, like zero advertising besides for this book that a lot of people have had the same experience as me. Um, like they read the book and they're like, this person gets it. I want to work with them. Uh-huh. You know? Okay. I'm going to read it. I'm so curious. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, it's a very hard read. You have to be at a very bad place career wise to actually get through it. I'm not. Thank God I'm not, but I, I'll get something from it. I'm curious. So, I love this yeah. stuff. It's like, it's almost like a workbook, but he's entertaining. So the way he writes, you just like feel, but like, and then it also helps you know, even if you're not going to work through the whole book, like that there are answers better mm-hmm. than like there is, you know, like one of the most popular career program parachute. And it's basically like, well, what's your favorite thing to eat and whatever I'm making fun a little bit, but like, well, put like answer all these questions of things that you're expected to already know about yourself. And then, um, find the jobs that meet those things. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, so go do a research project, which is sort of a good thing to do. You should treat your career search as a research project, but also like, mm, I I don't know. I, to me, like I want, I want some information that I didn't have to feed the machine that, that I can get. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if all the output is everything that I input it, well then, okay. I just need well, to sit with myself. Right. Right. You know, so there, there's a lot of tests that are like that. That's like, yeah, but what, tell me something new and people right. want to know, tell me something, tell me right. a job that I didn't think of for myself. Right. Right. Tell me a job right. that I never heard of. Right. Help me connect the dots in a way that I'm not seeing it. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the job of a coach and Rockford Institute, you know, who I ultimately said, I, I want to train and be one of their coaches. I got that experience of, 
getting testing that wasn't just like multiple choice, like the testing that they use is like IQ testing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like a series of games and puzzles and things that you don't expect to be testing your career. And actually, when I've had people who are like OTs, they'll say like, oh, okay, you're checking spatial awareness. Like we use that in evaluations, but like, that's important. Like if someone wants to go into design or architecture or construction and they're not, they don't have really good sense of spatial awareness, uh, they're going to fail and they're not going to know why. Like I've worked with graphic right. designers who couldn't figure out why they were really not good at it, even though they love the field. And wow. it was because they couldn't visualize spatially. That's that's something that we should know about. Wow. Right? Oh my gosh. I want to take this test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like people work so hard um, yeah. like fighting themselves. And, and and there's a quote in the book that I love uh, something I'm going to butcher it. Um, but how like only humans, like you would never see like a, you know, a fish trying to climb a tree or right. Like only humans, like, because we can, we can do things that we're really bad at because right. we could try hard enough. And it's true. We, we could do it, but why should we? Right, right, right. It's not our, it's, 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 I always talk about this, right? You're competent. Of course you're competent. You're probably excellent, right? But it might not be your zone of genius, period. Exactly. You know, like I, I could have become a lawyer and accountant. I'm sure I would have made a decent income. I would have hated my job, but so does the rest of the world, right? right. But I would have never been amazing at it. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. So this is a great story. So really, you came into this career field because of your own challenge, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which in some fields, like you don't want the person to have gone through it. But this, <laughs> it right? works. Here it works. Right. Here, here it worked because, um, like I've been there, like I've been at the job that I hated and I know what it's like. And, and I've been at the job where I've been a place where I speak to people and they're just like, they aren't making enough money. So they can't mm-hmm. even think about like, I'm going to spend money to be happy. I'm like, I know what it's like. I've been there, like just trying to pay right. rent. Right. And so having been there is helpful in this case. Right. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, it goes back to that idea that sometimes we, we think of time and money in such twisted ways, right? Because you don't want to spend the money, right? But you're spending your time, which you're never going to get back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the wrong thing. It's living to think about because when I, when I speak to people and I help people a lot with, you know, making more money, obviously, like I, I am money focused. That's what work is. It should pay you. Right. For sure. Um, you know, I mean, some people come and they say, I'm just, you know, so rich and happy, but uh, rich and unhappy. Right. Um, I just want a job that will satisfy me. There are people like that, that I work with, but, but generally it's going to be about money. But um, to your point about, um, Time, the time exchange. Oh, right. Yeah, time and money. Right. So it's like when people come to me and they're like, mm, okay, so like the lowest price point is like a, in the $500 range. Right. So they'll be like, wow, I, that's like, you know, my paycheck for the week. And it's like, but it won't be your paycheck in six months from now. Like in, in your first week in your new job, right. You're going to make ex, like, I, I always want to make that graph. And you talk about money a lot. I know. So like for people, like if your paycheck goes up by this many dollars now over the graph of until you retire, how much more it's going to be. It's like crazy for right. you to spend another day not doing what you enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Okay. So now let's go back to this first piece of your work. How do we, how do we help people figure, figure this out? Is it just taking the test? 
So we start with that. I mean, not everybody must take a test. Like some people um, are are very self-aware and they don't come in with that question, right? And they come to me um, with like, well, I know I, I'm a programmer. I love programming, but the job, the environment, the values. And now I'm starting to question my career, but I'm not sure. And, and sometimes we'll work through, okay, maybe we can figure out easily that it's something else and it's just the job or, or something else or the pay or whatever. Um, but usually my, my favorite way to start is with testing because I just tell people like, you know, you might might think of me as intuitive and hopefully I am, but we do not want to make a huge life decision based on my intuition. Mm, right. Nice. Like yeah. I, I like to bring some data in. <laughs> this is not Laura Doyle people. <laughs> let's get practical. Let's trust both my intuition and the test. Yeah. So like, let's bring some data in. Now we wouldn't want to rely on data only because if the data right. says that you would be a great X, but you hate that, you don't want to be a mathematician. Right. It doesn't matter that you're super high and analytical and on this and on that. Um, it just doesn't matter. Right. Um, so we can, we can guess or we can just like, you know, take a shortcut, get some information on you and then work together. And the process of coaching is getting to know you. And I, you know, I tell people like, tell me from the beginning and the beginning is, um, it's surprising to some people. It's like, well, tell me your work history. I want to know everything you've done since your first job, whenever that was, um, and go through it. And then we pull out like what, you know, what you like about that job? What you hate about that job? And that's funny. Like I spoke to someone this morning. Who people always like forget that the way they grew up is so impactful on their career. So I said to her, we're talking about education and how she's interested in education, but she does, doesn't make enough money. Is that something like, it sounds like the Montessori vibe was like something that you would like. Like, would you, did you ever consider opening up your own? Cause it sounds like she was interested in her own business kind of thing. And then she goes like as an afterthought, oh yeah, well, my mom ran a Montessori school. So I've been in one my whole life. Look. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> an important piece of data right there. <laughs> I'll ask even sometimes what your grandparents did, right. you know, like what your parents did place um, in your in your family. And of course, like I'm not going to ask questions if it's not comfortable or if it's not relevant. But, you know, people are usually very happy to share. And then it's it's cool how right, obviously if you're the oldest or the youngest or something yes. like that. It's going to impact how you think about. Oh my yourself. gosh. Hello. I wish I had these conversations with these people before. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the weirdest things come up and it's like, Oh, it's really good. You told me that. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, mm -hmm. like my father was like working with like a Hasidish guy from Brooklyn. His father was a rabbi. His mother was a secretary. And then like some point in the conversation, I'm like, what did your grandparents do? And it's like, and, and this guy like is like fascinated by like jewelry and whatever. Oh, my grandfather was a jeweler on 47th oh. Street. He's really sick. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and, we'll, and then and then we'll go back and it's like, oh, you come from like people forget. It, it's funny because I think like in the olden days, like 100 years ago, you didn't really have a like, career options. You did what your family did. Yes. Right. You were born into a family of bankers. So then you were a banker or a baker or this. Or, and, and now it's like, we forget that what our family did might be relevant, right? Mm -hmm. so, Beautiful. So there, there's so, yeah. There, there's so much that we go into and then getting to know you and how much money do you need to make and, and all of that. And, you know, not like, oh, I have five kids. So I need to make this much money, but I have five kids. And so I, I need a job that can, that is you know, valued at, the lifestyle that I need. So we need to figure out, and a lot of my clients need to make $250,000 right. just, just to get by. And, and that's a really important part of the conversation. Wow. 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 Okay. So now they know what they, they know kind of what path to take. And then what's the next step in the process um, for people or, you know, where do they get stuck? Like walk me through a little bit further. Sure. Down the so, line so of the say process. We'll, do, we'll do testing. And then, you know, a person's coming because they're not so satisfied. 
they probably don't love the work and they're probably not making as much money as they would would like to. But, you know, often it's not like the money is like the main thing, but for long term, it's not going to last. Like, right. right. So they're usually like, you know, in the 30s range, right? When people hit that point. Yes. You're right. <laughs> Very common. Uh, like 29 is probably my most popular age. Interesting. Um, yeah. You know, that runner, like marathon runners also are usually nine. Oh, really? I don't know that. Your birthday's coming and then you're going to be 30 or oh. then you're going to be in your 40s and then you're going to be 15. What are you going to have done with your life? Uh-huh. Interesting. And so also like at 29, the, yeah. you've had enough experience to kind of get a sense of, okay, I don't, like, yeah. I don't like this. I like this. I, this could be right. Like, yeah, you yeah. Do have, it's good to have been out there. Let's be honest. You, yes, it definitely. It's it's very different having a conversation with someone who's in their upper twenties than and has it, tried things, right? Yeah. Yeah. They know like an 18 year old will be like really, um, cute about like, like, oh yeah, it's fine. I don't mind um, working alone from home if I can make a lot of money. And then yeah, three years later, they crawl out of their basement and never go back back in. Right. (laughs) So, you know, um, but then, so then the next step, so we, so we clarify, okay. So the testing will usually give us a lot of insight into, um, okay, so no wonder why you didn't like the job because you're so high in this or you're so low with this or this combination of things. And then it's very helpful. Usually, often we can identify what was wrong and then what they need in their next job. And then there's a lot of choice in, in okay, so do you want to stick to something that will only make this much money? Do you want to choose something that you'll sort of have to be self-employed to make enough? Uh-huh. Or, right, like we're, we're going through the whole, and then we work through that together. And I'm... I'm I'm very good at um, slicing through like what could take people a while of confusion and just like laying the facts on the table, which could be like a little painful, but also like save people a lot of time. So give me an, give me an example. What do you mean? Um, people, a lot of people have like vague business ideas that they are carrying around very closely and, and they really believe in them. And then it takes me like three minutes to slice it up and to say like, actually, that's not a business. If you wanted to... Um, like someone just told me, I didn't like actually meet with her. It was just a conversation. Um, you know, I love the idea of doing like Shabbos flower deliveries to people like on subscription, beautiful idea. But then do you realize that really to make enough money doing that, you should really have, a, you're, you need to be a florist mm-hmm. and to be a florist, you need to have a location and then you need to have this many employees and you need to have this manufacturers. And usually you have to wake up very early in the morning, because whatever, like just laying out what it's really like. And then it's like, oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where, like I spoke to a restaurant owner this week who was like, well, I love food and I love restaurants. So I bought a restaurant. It's just, it's very different. <laughs> they have almost nothing in common. Nothing. Like, right. He doesn't even get to see the inside of the kitchen or the dining room ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, so right. like that. So I'll break it down what, what it's really like. And then that hazy thing just goes away. But then we could say, but I see what you like is this or that. And really, here's where you could use that. And and then that's like, oh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how often do people veer through this discovery process veer towards, oh, I really should be self-employed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's a little bit of a, <laughs> it's a struggle for me to not push everyone into self-employment. To and not push them. To not. Oh, yeah. I'm like. I love working for myself. You should work. For right. Yourself. Right. Yeah. Me too. Um, I would struggle with that. Okay. Tell, say more. So, so, well, I've learned, um, like, I don't want to say like the hard way, but I've learned like by meeting enough people that, well, there's some people who are super honest with themselves and they're actually, and I'm always like, you're sure you don't want to? And they're like, no, I, I like getting a salary. 
So like there are enough people who actually don't want to. And then there are the people in between. There are the people who know they were born to do it and they don't need any convincing. And uh, even if I would tell them not to, they would do it anyways. Right. Um, But then there are the people who are like, um, I guess like products of this generation of like everybody should whatever. And, And it's very hard for them because a lot of them really when we we get down to it you know and then I'll, I'll paint the picture of what a day in the life looks like of, of mm-hmm. you know and then once you break it down most people um recognize you know what what it's like and then sometimes when people want to try it out like well okay I'm ju- jumping back for a second when people um they're not sure we, we try to break it down to is it just because everyone in your family like values entrepreneurialism but you actually don't want that headache and that's happened in, in enough right. time where it's like yeah, you know what? All my siblings are business people, but so I think I should. And my husband has his own business, but like, I don't know. I don't really like, you know, bookkeeping or charging people. So I try to help them get there before mm-hmm. they save them time. But there, there are times when a person really, really wants to try it. And then I say, well, listen, if you have like a year's worth of money to live on, like practically, then go for it. Worst case, you'll call me in a year and you'll say that it failed. Like you'll never mm-hmm. know that that's like, if you could afford it, absolutely try it right nice I love that and then it's like oh like wait mm. and then either they do or they don't have the money it's very simple aha uh-huh. I love that yeah 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 okay so 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 that's actually the perfect segue to my next question which was about you know oftentimes it, it's it is a privilege. It is a luxury to, 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 to be able to do the self exploration, right? Like there are circumstances where people less common in our day, but I was having a conversation with a guest recently. Um, John Hilson Rath was telling me how his father came into this country as an 11 year old running from the Nazis and miraculously he met his, he found his parents here. Wow. And, and, and his grandfather, I think it was his father, actually, he had to sell eggs, right? So he's like, you know, sometimes you don't have the luxury of just going for what your passion and your talents are. Like, you just have to do what you need to do to put food on the table, which is a real reality for some people, right? So my question is, those are emergencies. Those are dramatic circumstances when our, and our nervous system is in that state of emergency, right? Mm-hmm. But what I often see, and maybe you see it too, is have we normalized this state of emergency, like this intern internalized that this is the way it needs it, it's going to be? Like, have we bought into the lie that there's no other option? That it's like it's a death sentence. It's just I just need to do whatever puts food on the table. And then lost our ability to trust that there might be something better and bigger and that I deserve to explore that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I have so much. We could talk about that for a long time. I mean, listen, like job just over broke, right? Like that's, that's what it is for a lot of people. Um, when someone calls me in that state of emergency, I tell them to call me back later when like, if someone's unemployed and calls me, unless somebody else is paying their bills, which often they have a spouse or, or a parent or whatever. Um, in that case, they have the time and headspace to do it. But otherwise, they're going to make a mistake. They're, the process will be useless, right? right? Mostly useless. Like, they'll get some insight, but it's not going to help them choose their next best job because it's a process. Like, if you're mm-hmm. going to switch switch from being, um, you know, from being a therapist to, to being a HR director, right? Um, 
it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to need to go for some training. You're going to need to research what kind of job you want and whatever, right? Get some certifications. So if, if someone is in that state of emergency, I would say just please take the first job that comes to you. Do whatever it is. Like I've done that, right? I, I work just because I have to work. There are bills to pay. Like this is a luxury. I, I, I emphasize that a lot, that getting to do what you like is an absolute luxury. And if you're not paying your bills, I am the wrong address. Write yourself a resume, find some free resources on YouTube mm-hmm. um, and, and just get a job to pay your bills. Then when rent is covered, roof over your head, everybody's bellies are full, right? Um, then you might have a few minutes to think about it. And like, I wouldn't worry about getting stuck there because you're, if you have like something inside of you to be more, you will absolutely come back to me. Like, mm-hmm. right. It doesn't need to be me, but you'll, you'll come back to doing that. Now, the, the whole, I want to hone in on that. I hope people yeah. got that. At least give yourself permission to be in that place where Shayna's saying, you'll come back to me. Cause I feel like a lot of people just stay there. <laughs> right. They do. And sometimes people have to like lose their jobs or something to remind. Right. Yeah. That's a great motivator for people. Right. That's when you um, remember, oh, I, I wanted something different. Yeah. I spoke to someone yesterday who said that she was going to school for something and then she got married and had a kid and just found an office job in the meantime. And it's, I'm not going to say how many years later she, and she just got fired. And she was like, I've been waiting for this opportunity all these years. Like uh-huh. to actually go back and, and figure out uh, what it is, you know, so I, I don't think, I don't think somebody who cares enough will, will forget, like, just because like mm-hmm. you have a job, you won't, but, but then you could put aside a little bit of money. Right. And then, and, and then afford to go through this process mm-hmm. properly. It, I, I, it's like going to therapy while the abuse is happening almost like, okay. I don't know if that's a good example, but like, you know, like imagine if, if, yeah. if in, uh, in, in, uh, like, uh, some, like, in the, I don't know, you're saying like the Holocaust, right? Like imagine if somebody was like on the run and then they would be like provided with a therapist to go through their feelings. Like, no, give me no, food. Keep, keep running. <laughs> right. Like it, it just, it just, it's not, it's not usually the right time. And I dissuade people from working with me and I, I've turned a lot of people, uh, down that way. And then they'll come back when they have a job and whatever, you know, when someone calls, like it's an emergency, I need to work with you today because I have to choose a job for tomorrow. I think just make, make it, you know, choose something, just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So. Now let's talk about making the big bucks. Okay. So this person realizes what they want to do with their lives. And very often, I mean, very often people are scared to negotiate or to ask or to like, right? Like, what do we, what do we see here? What, what, what are the struggles in that area? Yeah. It's very, very upsetting to me, actually, that people don't know their value and, and it's changing. I think like employees are, like you said, like the great resignation, like are really starting to recognize more of that. And and this is like the message that I try so hard to give. You are a company, just like your company uses outside vendors for other things. Like you're a service that you're providing and you yourself are a brand and you mm-hmm. have something to offer, right? And it's worth this much money. And then hopefully the further you get in your career, you're thinking about how am I going to make my value um, higher? So mm-hmm. it's like, it's never about money. It's about value. Like if whatever value you give, you will get back. But mm-hmm. what upsets me is there's a concept that Jordan Peterson talks about. Like there's the big five. There's like a personality, like similar to Myers-Briggs, but it has some differences. And and one of them is um the scale of agreeableness versus assertiveness. Mm. And um women are much more agreeable and men usually are much more assertive. Right. And that plays out really, really um, obviously in salaries. 
Mm-hmm. So I spoke to a woman this week who was like, you know, I, I work really hard and I do a good job. And I don't know why, like no one comes and offers me, like I've never get offered a raise. It's <laughs> not their job. It's your job to ask. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you bought into being a good girl. Mm-hmm. Sit nicely. Don't fight. Share your cookie. Right. Like that you were told. And then, and then, oh, here's somebody will give you a price. Right. Yes. Shandy's going to get a sticker because look mm-hmm. how well she would behave. Nobody's coming around with stickers. Right. Like that's not how it works. You're going to have to stick up for yourself. And and the reason that men do better when they're negotiating, like men have uh, on average, right. Not obviously totally stereotyping people, um, but they're way more likely to ask for money that they didn't deserve that they don't deserve and they know they don't deserve it but they're just like well give me more money because I want mm-hmm. some and mm-hmm. women will question themselves so many times oh well gosh. you know yes. they let me leave early and really um that time that my kid was sick and they'll like rationalize like literally beating themselves up in their heads so then they don't go or my favorite is like but I don't really like the job so I'm thinking of leaving so it would be so rude to ask and then Right. And, and and then they're going to stay there anyway. Like, right. 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 And I'm like, but you're not, I always remind them, you're not getting paid for tomorrow or next right. year. It's not a promise that you'll stay on. You're getting paid for yesterday that mm-hmm. you weren't getting paid enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, my biggest message is to like, figure out your value, figure out how to up it and then figure out how to make the value turn into dollar bills. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But figuring out the value piece also, doesn't it require a little bit of market research and kind of know what the industry is paying and what your peers are making, which now has been a little bit more commonplace to find that people are talking more openly about, you know, what, how much they're making. Yeah. I mean, I tell people um, um, that before you even go in an interview, like the same thing with the interview question, right? Oh, like how much do you want? Right. Like never answer that question. And if you're forced to answer it, Come prepared, never go into an interview without having researched it. And if your only access to research is Google, that's okay. Like that's enough to know what the range is, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, even in a place where you think that it's not accurate, go with the top number, right? right? And just say like, well, you know, according to, you know, some basic market research, um, I know that jobs, you know, in this, um, with this title usually range in the hundred to $120,000 range. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you have, you know, like I'm assuming that you're not out of market range, right? Right. <laughs> and that's like the negotiating just becomes simpler. Um, but I actually it turned into a service because so many people message me like I, I'm I'm a graphic designer, I'm this much, da, 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 and you know how much did I get paid? And I was answering so many questions that I finally turned it into a service. Here you can pay me. <laughs> I get on the phone. Um, and and I'll. I, I don't charge a lot. I don't remember how much it is. Um, but we can spend 20 minutes on the phone and I'll tell you exactly how much money you should be getting paid. Really? Wait, wait, wait. So how do you do that? From I speak to hundreds of people. So I've oh. probably spoken to at least three three other people in, in the same job in the same city as you. Got it. And if I didn't, I'll tell you before before you book the call. Like it's not a public right. People right. have to message me with information before and I'll only share it if I can help them. Otherwise, oh. I'll send them to um, a recruiter. Uh, take advantage of recruiters, right? Yes. They're great people to, um, to ask. Um, they'll usually inflate by a good 10 to 20%. Um, yes. <laughs> so make sure like you're keeping that in mind or asking them like, how many people do you know who, who got paid that much? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard to get information at work. I wish salaries would be posted publicly. If you know any, if you have any friends or family that are business owners, ask them because they usually have a really good handle of what they would pay somebody. Right. Yeah, but right, if right, you start right. asking around, you'll get numbers. Like I, I have friends. I had a friend call me this morning. 
for a friend of hers, you know, and like we went through the details and it was like, well, depending if it's this kind of company, depending what her relationship is, depending if they have to use outside work to supplement her work. Right. And and then I said, well, then it's between this and that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. And I think something that we need to emphasize here and that very often women miss this in, in being the good girl and even even the starting salary. And I certainly didn't know this going into corporate America. I didn't know to negotiate in my first investment banking job. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a thing. Like you just, whatever the bank offered you, that's what it was. But you don't realize the the long-term impact of that because right. every base is based on that. So you're exactly. literally leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table. <laughs> Even if you're just negotiating for another dollar an hour, right? right. Or another $3,000 a year, it's going to absolutely impact. And then sometimes the only way to get that significant twenty to $50,000 pay raises by switching jobs, which some people don't want to have to do. They really like their company. Right. Um, and that's where I help people figure out by asking the question of if you would leave today and they would have to hire again for your role, how much would they pay? Mm-hmm. And then it's usually a lot more because again, if you would be a stranger and they would have a stranger, then that cozy relationship where you're getting underpaid and they know it would stop. So then maybe that helps sometimes. Right, right, right. And that's always like a big wake up call, right? That's when you realize, oh, I'm really underpaid. I really. Yeah. And they know that. And like, the bosses always know it. Of course. Of course. Of course. You, Shana, you recently gave a very good marriage advice on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Where you basically spoke to to the men who make less than their wives expect them to make and, and and to those wives, I guess, also saying like, listen, stop feeling inadequate and realize that ultimately what your wife really needs is to feel cared for it and support it. And you can still provide that even if you're not bringing the money that maybe you expect or she expects or both, right? So figure that piece out because when you start making the money, God willing, you will, independent of how much you're going to make, your wife is still going to be feeling lack. She's still going to be lacking that attention, that care, that support. So practice it now. And, And 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 when I read that, it really reminded me of something that I've said. I, I actually learned it from a guest on the show, Karen McCall, which is um, you can never get enough of what you don't need, right? Mm. So when a person needs something, you you don't you don't you don't substitute it with something else. They're still going to have that lack, right? So yeah. I, I thought it was really really brilliant that you share that, and and I'd love for you to talk about that because. What, what, what prompted you to, to tell this to the men? Start, start giving your wives what they're looking for. And that way, when you start making the money, you know, all be, all, everything will be great. The money's not going to yeah. solve the problem, basically. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there is a lot of stories behind that post. Obviously, one story that really triggered me to, to share that. Uh-huh. Um, but, but without like, you know, disclosing any anyone's personal information, this happens a lot where like a man is struggling. And then again, like I'll say these things that, you know, I don't know if I'm just like not a tactful person or I just like see the world and like very straight, right? But like, so which will prompt me to say to him, hold on a second. So if you would disappear and you would just send a paycheck every month, you think that's all your, like your only value is is that? And it's like, no, no, of course I help. I, I care about her, I, right? And then it's like, Okay, so like so many men tie so much of their self worth to right. their paycheck, and and a lot of times they're married to women who are super successful, super talented, 
And, and like the, if the only thing that the woman needed was money, I trust you, she wouldn't have stayed in this relationship. Right. right. Like, I mean, she, right. she doesn't have to. So, so it's like, I, I think that it's, it's of course much easier to say, well, I support her. I take care of her. Like that's a very um tangible thing to feel proud of. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and, mm-hmm. and it's much harder to say, well, you know, I give her compliments or she knows that I would always be there for her. Or when she's stuck, she knows she has a best friend to talk to which much harder. But but then it's like it's it's cheaper. And sometimes some men aren't like, you know, what if what if your husband was just really is an artist? Right. Let's just use that, you know, whatever. And and that's what he's going to do. And he's never going to be an executive. And I've seen like so many like wonderfully talented men try to go into roles where they think that they're going to succeed because it's the like the money making things. Mm. So they go to these like very like rough, aggressive kinds of jobs. And then, and then they fail because they're never going to be the best lawyer in the room because they're the sweetest, sweetest person. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like the same person, the same reason that makes them an amazing spouse, an amazing parent, amazing human friend. Um, Also, they're just not going to be Mr. Aggressive. Mm -hmm. And the message isn't so much to the woman, because I, I think that like, they might recognize that. And of course, the woman can emphasize that and build that up and, and whatever. But the guy himself has to realize mm-hmm. that, like, hey, you're, you're valuable, despite your your paycheck. And then, and then like, when I tell people that, so like, oh, so then when you're rich, you'll, you'll be worth it. And most likely, a percentage of them will be rich. But what if they never strike it rich, mm-hmm. right? Like their, their whole self worth can't be tied into that. And, and right. I don't know, you can have a wonderful relationship based on so many other other things besides money although i i do think money can buy a fair amount of happiness <laughs> can buy a lot of opportunities that's for sure yeah <laughs> so so I, I i you just mentioned money i i i always find it very interesting like we talked about your career and how that came about and you did mention that there were times where you had to take jobs that you know, you just had to put, you had to help. You had to put foot on the table, right? But you did have that space to explore this and start your own business. What was your, and the reason I'm asking is because it's just always fascinating to see how people grew up. What was your upbringing around money and making a living or I don't like saying a living, we make mm-hmm. making a livelihood, I guess the better word. Mm-hmm. Um, like what did you learn from your parents that you think made an impact in, in, in the way you view money and, and work and all that? It may be yeah. maybe for good, maybe not for good. It doesn't matter. Served you, didn't serve you. Oh, I had, like, yeah, terrible, terrible. So, <laughs> okay, let's um, cash it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I learned from my parents what not to do. Okay. Um, like sort of, I mean, there, there's a lot of good that, I, that I took. Um, my mom, um, my parents became religious. Um, as like right out of high school, um, and then together. Um, and then, so my dad was from a family that was like, my grandma was like, went to Harvard when it was like still segregated, like it was Browns, right? So right. like very educated family, like we'll pay for your college, except like he wasn't going to no college. Right. And so that was just like, like, right. They, they didn't know how to deal with that. Um, and so he worked a bunch of jobs and, and, you know, did really like, worked hard and passed away young, but would have made it big. He was already, he had like bought a building at like age 26. And he was just like totally different than his, than his family, but very entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. um, in his blood, I guess. Um, And and I think I get that from him. Lots of my siblings um, have that too. Um, So, you know, that like gave me the lesson of like, oh, just because he didn't go to college and like the way his family reacted to that, like, 
And I mean, they all have nice, you know, salary jobs, but like the direction that he was going, he would have, you know, far, far surpassed them. Mm -hmm. Um, So like they gave me that lesson. Um, And then my mom became from and she had a family right away. And so like didn't go to college because then um, at that, like you couldn't do both. Right. Right. Simultaneously back in the 70s, 80s, whenever it was. Um, And then years later, like after had a large family and then after everyone was in school, went back and by age 50 became a social worker, which is probably Mm. what she should have done originally. And I find that very inspiring. It also always makes me think that like people think their career is over and most people are going to have a second career. I love that. Yes. Like by the time you're 50, um, you know, there's there's like I think I'm going to have another career by then, like doing something core. Yeah. Yeah, like similar, you know, with using building on on the background, but doing, um, you know, doing more with it and, and going further. So like that you can, you know, establish a second career leader in life. Uh, like I've had this conversation with so many people, like, you know, people who are 45 and think that like, I can't do anything. You have a 20 year run at least, like mm-hmm. that's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the money messages. So with, during my like childhood growing up, there was very little money. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, this is what it is. Like, we just, you know, we're just stuck when, when we have this. And I've like had to do so much rewiring to like realizing like money isn't um, something that's limited. It's like an right. unlimited resource in the world. And it's just a matter of like figuring out like how to how to allow it in and like not to sound like fluffy and like right. money coachy, but like, um, like if you're, I mean, every year I said at the beginning of the year, my goal for that year, and it's always a slightly more than slightly scary goal, right? That beginning of the year seems like it's not going to happen. And then every year at the end of the year, it happened. Mm, nice. So like, sure, you can only do that as a business owner, right? right? In, in most cases, um, unless you're like commissioned or right, have investments on the side or whatever. Um, but like, I've totally changed the way that I, that I think about it. I do think though, having grown up without money taught me like a lot. I don't, I don't think I would give that back. Like certainly like in not being spoiled, like we just uh, made a, like had a big milestone birthday for one of my kids. And um, I see a lot of his friends were expecting like gifts and big presents. And he got like a hundred dollars in the mail, like one of the first gifts. And he was like, wow, he like, he was so, so grateful. Like, yeah, grateful, didn't mm-hmm. expect it. So like, I think that like not having been, you know, raised, spoiled and like, it also makes it easier. Like, I don't, I feel like I could always survive just me and my brain. Like if I ever have to like restart over again, I love like it. I, I feel it makes me feel like very not like reliant on things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Sounds like really healthy. I, I really like, have you been listening to this podcast, Jane? <laughs> 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 so, 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 so going back to, to your clients and, and getting coached and some of them discover, listen, you should be on your own and, you know, you have all it takes and the ideas. Do you find that then there's like a transition point where people then maybe work with a business coach at some point? Like there's, we outgrow Shana yeah. and yeah, talk. Yeah. 100%. That happens. Uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. And I don't know if I answered your question earlier, but like, so what, like the, like, okay, so they'll figure out what they want to do. And then it's interesting because once they, once we figured out their skills and figured out like a direction, I, I tell them, you're going to feel confused. Like you're, you're going to go out into the world and know that I want something that has this and this and that. And you think it's impossible, but then it's like amazing because it happens all the time. Um, I think it happens every time that once you start looking for something, suddenly somebody approaches you with an offer that you can't believe. Like a guy came over to me in shul or I was talking to this friend and 
things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll also pay attention, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, once you've aligned yourself with the goal, God sends it to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so they definitely like find it. And then there's a point where like, I'll do like the back of the napkin business plan with people. Okay. Well, how much do you think you could sell this product for? How much, you know, whatever. I've helped a lot of people like start off and then, yeah, like absolutely. I'll make referrals to business coaches to like hold their hands. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm not, I'm not a business coach. I'm going to help you figure out what you're best at and then how to translate that into a career. Um, but then you should hire somebody to do the step-by-step if you're going to go into a business. Um, and I'll try to make a specific recommendation that matches someone who has like that, that kind of business background. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So Shana, you mentioned the age 29 that you see a lot of people in that age group in their thirties. Is there, is there a particular typical client that you get? Mm. is that is that it is that or is it um no there there's also i mean it's not limited to that there's plenty of 18 year olds there's plenty of 45 year olds um Mm. you know i worked with someone who was 70 um Mm. yeah 18 year olds are they very self-aware or this is just a parent said you need to do this usually it's mutual Uh um if yeah it's not gonna it doesn't work if it if it's not um you know, and that's always, there's a lot of pieces that, like, should the parent be part of it? Depends who's paying for it. Like, is the kid, kid going to put it in? Uh, usually when someone else pays for it, um, I just had this happen yesterday. An employer, uh, this happens a lot where an employee wants to hire and they'll ask me to test somebody before, or, or I'll like, I'll even test like, uh, business owners just because they want to know like how to delegate, what to focus on. So it comes into business a lot. So uh-huh. I, um, uh, interviewed with someone and he wanted him to go through my testing process before he made a hiring decision. Um, so the guy was just like a little annoyed at having to go through all this time and process. And right away I knew I was like, wait, because I don't schedule it myself. So he showed up and I'm like, wait, right. there's not a guy who paid for this. He doesn't right. to be here. Everyone's usually like waiting, like right. tell me about myself. Right. But it was funny because usually what happens by the end of the session, he wanted more time. Right. Because ah. he was like, oh, this is so insightful. Like, wow, I learned so much about myself. So usually the same thing will happen with kids. And then Sometimes I'll tell their parents, like, if they want to follow up, you might want to have them pay in a little bit, mm-hmm. like, whatever they could afford, because they're going to be more invested. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. And and did I read that you have an online course, aside from your one-on-one coaching? Tell us a little bit so, about how you work. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been working on trying to, like, replicate myself in, in two different directions. And hopefully, like, coming up this year, there will be more of that. Um, so it's one little course that I made about the getting a raise course because I was just saying the exact same thing with the exact same steps using the exact same templates to too many people. And I said, they, they don't need to spend that much money for me to spend my time. I'm spending between, you know, it's 500 to $1,500 to sit down with you, put together this, this presentation, how to say it, when to say it. And it, there's a template for it. So nice. I did the course, made it $150, nice. asked my email list, would you buy this? I said, great. So if I get I, to myself, I didn't tell anyone this, but the number that I put in, I was like, okay, if 10 people say yes, I'll, you know, then I'll, I'll make it right. Cause I just like needed the motivation to sit there and video myself in an empty. Yeah. I uh, know. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so 18 people replied that day. So I was like, cool, I'm going to make it. So I did. And a number of people have so far taken it. I haven't marketed it much. Um, and then I got some amazing feedback like that. They got races without speaking to me. So it's motivating me to turn cool. more things into, into, um, you know, into courses. I'm working on one with my sister now, actually. Oh, um, LinkedIn. Yeah. Like how to make my sister's Esther Adamson. She's incredible at like LinkedIn profiles, management, posting. She teaches tons of people and like lots really? of really. 
Yeah, lots of her clients are just um, like she had someone last week who she's like, oh, my God, it's so cool. The first day he posted, he got three leads. Like that doesn't usually happen, but she teaches people, business owners, a lot how to use it. So we are working on it together because like using for careers and using it for business. Um, and we've both been for the past like at least seven years building up our businesses almost exclusively on LinkedIn. So we we recorded a course that we're working on putting putting out there um, like that. Um, because that's a big part of your online career presence, and right. you know, as well as using it for for other things in business. Um, and then the what I always struggle with is like, how come kids could sit in a classroom and thirty kids or how you know twenty kids can learn from one teacher? Um, but like with coaching, I feel like it has to be one on one. Like I've tried to do it, I've done it, I've given workshops and I've worked with groups, but I do feel at a certain point, like your career, you need to have a one on one conversation with people. There's like mm. so many personal hopes and dreams that aren't really replicable like your life is so unique in that in that sense and so what I've started doing um just a couple months ago together with Rockport Institute where I trained um is that um we opened up a a coach certification uh program they had one but it was more like one person at a time when like when I came and begged them to train me um so it wasn't like open to the public like that um so we actually have a group that's um going to be finished soon um that's going to be certified coaches and then i'm hoping to be able to add to my team because i do think that with the testing and coaching you always want want to work one-on-one you don't really want to just take my course of like how to choose your life career so so hopefully you know and then there are a couple of things like the race thing or like specific things that i think that people could do in a course you know little bite-sized videos that i see are working Right. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. 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 I, I, so I love it. I love it. And by the way, you know, I'm, you know, I'm new, I'm new to LinkedIn, right? I'm like, totally. Then you're, doing, you're doing great on it. No, I oh, could not tell you. that you're new there. I thought I just came across, I was like, where, where has this woman been actually? <laughs> Such good content. I thought I just recently started following you. No, you're doing great. I am so new. You should have seen like, it just, it was just divine providence. I had, I had a colleague, he actually, we worked in the first corporate job out of college together. And he's the author of two books and whatever. And he came on the show and he's like, cause you know, when we go on LinkedIn, I'm like, LinkedIn, like Patrick, like, does that <laughs> thing still exist? You mean like LinkedIn from when we worked at the bank 20 years ago? Exactly. He's like, oh yeah, Al, you're in trouble. <laughs> really? And then a few people started bringing it up. But like, oh, your content's great. Your content's great. But your LinkedIn, I'm like, LinkedIn. I haven't been in that place for 15 years. I didn't even know people went there. Yeah. It's like, it's like the most. Yeah. Um, I loved it, by the way. I like yeah. literally fell in love with the platform right away. Like, it's I was amazing. like, it's so easy. It's easy. And the content is actually really interesting. And the people are super generous. And not, I don't know. I just yeah. love the, the vibe. Tried, it wasn't like, what well, I was expecting at all. Yeah, people who come over from Instagram or Facebook are like shocked. At, like, I'm sh- I was shocked. Yeah. And like you go on Instagram, I've tried, you post there and like, maybe your sister likes it. Right. And then like, <laughs> but then, but then like on LinkedIn, like people are there, like they want to engage and the conversations and the comment sections become so interesting in the DMs and like, yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely like is pretending that we're here for business. We're here for business. And so we could talk about it openly. Yeah. 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 No, I like the depth. I, I really, really am enjoying the platform. I mean, a little bit to a fault. Like I, I had to like say, okay, I have to not be here every day. I'm not checking this every day because, you know, okay. So <laughs> I know I've been there. <laughs> I have to work people, you know, no, but in terms of the podcast, it really has served me really well. I don't know why I never thought that it would be a great place to find yeah, a great well, guest. 
old place to have an online resume as well. It was, but it's become like alive in the last few years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Shana, I love to wrap it up with what I call Jewish Money Matters fill in the blanks. And this is a part of the show where I'll give you an open-ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. All right? Ready. Okay, let's play it. When I give tzedakah or meister, I like to give to? Family. Oh, family. No, I love that answer. I just had a conversation with somebody about that. I'm like, no, no, no. Family comes first. Don't feel that. That's it. Absolutely. Good, good, good. I'd love to make more money because? So many reasons. Oh, that's Um, here. (laughs) So many reasons. But actually, someone recently on Shabbos, uh, we had a guest and and he was like, you know, we had this conversation, like, if you'd win the lottery, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And and my answer, we went through everyone's answer. And my answer was like, I would do the exact same thing. I would just like work with way more people for free. Mm, yes, it would, it would give you the freedom to be able to do that. Right. Yeah, Cause like, I'm in, I'm in a place where people are often struggling with money and then I could help them get further and it would Feel be the same really way. cool. I, you know, once in a while I'll take on pro bono clients, but I would love to do more of that. Right. 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 Something I wish I'd learned about money growing up is that it's unlimited that it's not dirty mm. um, i could go on and on but yeah. that it's not it's not it's not bad it's not anti-jewish oh yes gotta learn right? a lot of chasetas to get that but yes this is what this show is about right exactly. i always tell people though like the, i don't know if i can like talk like you know whatever things here but like the coin guzzle like to be a coin guzzle you needed to be rich you need to be an to yeah to be a prophet you needed to be rich That's yeah like, you can't be a navi if you're not wealthy it was a qualification. It's a really Jewish. Yeah. And I think that like, um, Jews who grew up in, in Europe, it's, it's, um, I tell a lot of people, it's a Christian thought that money is bad, yeah. right? It's not, yeah, not yeah, hard yeah. at all. And it's very interesting. We've talked about this on the show, right? If you, if you, if you take the Sephardi world and mm. how they relate to money as opposed to the Ashkenazi, so healthier. polar opposites because yeah. there was a different experience. There's different yeah. life. Okay. All right. Money, spiritual or physical? Huh, on that note. Both. It can't mm-hmm. be one without the other. I mean, yeah, right. That's that's what the essence of being a Jew is: is that anything spiritual has to have its like place in the physical world, right? Right, 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 right. Something I splurge on unapologetically is chai lattes. Oh, good for <laughs> and books and books <laughs> for yeah. sure. Books. Yeah. I if know, there's a book sure. I think I could learn one thing from, I buy it. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Uh spender or saver, Shayna? Saver, absolute saver. Yeah, were you always a saver? Always. Babysitting money when I was 10, for sure. Uh-huh. I'm always <laughs> impressed by people like I'm a saver now, but I wasn't. I really wasn't. I'm always impressed. Oh, no, yeah. I I like I didn't spend my money and now I tell my kids like what are you going to do with it later? Like have fun now. So you're going to buy a couch when you're 20, right? <laughs> yeah, no, like save it to full. And see, because I have the trauma of being a spender, I tell them the opposite. I'm like, no, 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 no. Put it in the investment account. Cause you know, you're going to want to buy yourself a house later on in life. Or are you going to want to, and they're like, okay, ma. <laughs> you know what? When I got married, I had, I got married really young and I was in college. So I had $2,000 and like, it didn't really, really make a dent so like I may as well have had nicer shoes that I could have used right like point yeah (laughs) I don't know I had that so okay today I'm most grateful for having a family yeah yeah like I think I think I it's a blessing when your career motivated I think it's a blessing to have started a family young um Mm -hmm. because then they're you're forced to grow your business alongside running a family 
And you just, you have to, you you get a choice. You you have to wake up in the middle of the night for a baby and it's not like a a choice. And then I think if you get past a certain age, it becomes very hard to figure out like, how would I balance that? And I I wouldn't have been able to, if I wasn't forced into it. Mm. So, so wait, you started, do you started your career even when your kids were little or you, is that what you I mean? I, I was, well, like my first year of marriage, I, I was pregnant and in college and working two jobs. And so I raised my family and my career, like always together. Like there was never like, Oh, let's take turns now. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's good because sometimes we do think that it's one or the other, right? Um, Yeah. No, I mean, and to me, people are surprised to hear me say this, but like my career is to fit into my, is to suit my family, like not the other way around. Like it, it's, you know, I, I choose everything because that's what works. Like the family is like so much of a higher priority, uh, not that career, like, like, like it's not an option for me not to have a career. Like it's not, you know, but it's definitely like, it's to, it's to make my life work, not the other way around. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. Cause my husband often says to me, you know, you, you, you work and you have your business because that's who you are. Like it's, it's, it's not because of the money. Like even if we had all the money in the world, I know you enough to know that you would still be working just as much and just as hard. Like, and he's right. Right. Which is great. Like you should be doing the thing that if you didn't need any money that you would spend your day doing. And that's, that's amazing. That's where everyone should hopefully get to. Yeah. And finally, I am Shayna Karen and I believe Jewish money matters because, because money because I think that when you use money the right way, you can just do more, be more of you, do more mm. of what you want to do and just actualize more in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's kind of an amplifier, right? Like yes. if you're a creative person, you can be more creative. You're a generous person, you can be more generous, you, right? It just it really amplifies so much in the impact Absolutely. you can create. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, like, whatever you do when you have less right like like I mean it goes with the opposite right like if you didn't give charity when you had little it's gonna be harder to give it when you have a lot so like in the same way right mm-hmm, I, I think that it's mm-hmm. just yeah it makes you really are Shayna this is great tell people where they can find you thank you shaynacaron.com mm-hmm. is my website I hang out a lot on LinkedIn yes she um, does Good yeah. content, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, check me out there. There is a link for a discovery call, 50 minutes. We can chat about anything career-related or anything. Fantastic. Um, and, yeah, and PM me on LinkedIn. I do my best to answer every message. Fantastic, Shayna. Thank you so much. This was so insightful and so enjoyable. Let's let's be friends. <laughs> Absolutely, y'all. Thank you. I'm so flattered to be here. I mean, I've seen the guests that you post, and this is like an incredible, incredible platform that you've built. And I love, love your message. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so you much. You. Pleasure having you. Thanks to Shayna Karen for stopping by. You can find her at shaynacaron.com. And of course, on LinkedIn. Thanks, Shayna, for being one of my cheerleaders over there. Go check her out for great content there, too. And me, well, just trying to, you know, tag along. <laughs> well, secretly, I just want to sit in Shayna's office, actually. And I want to take that aptitude test and hear more from her. Don't you? Where was she when I was 23? I think you probably feel the same way. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to leave a review and rating. I will be actually checking 
checking out for those and picking a reviewer of the week, but not this Friday because I will be out for the weekend. So you won't hear from me this Friday. I'll be away in California for a speaking engagement. If you're in the Northern California area, let me know. Maybe you can come join me. Let me know by emailing me. Yeah, L at Yaletrush.com. DM me on Instagram and you can send me those questions. I will be sure to be back here the following week to tackle those. But be sure to check out that retirement episode that we aired last Friday, all about your retirement questions with special co-host Emily Guy Birkin. I hope you have a great rest of your week. 